1: have accessed entry1122.zc0401. Certificate number 38846. Second sleep. Good yeah, morning. Morning? Yeah, what time is it? 10:30. Oh,
0: see, I got the whole night ahead of me. Breakfast? Oh yeah, most important meal of the day. So this Da Vinci sleep is working out? Oh, I'm percolating, Jerry. I'm telling you, I have never felt so fertile. I'm mossy, Jerry. My brain is mossy. I think I need more sleep.
2: <laughs> it's a thing that the future might not know about
1: mm-hmm. our time. I'm hoping that every one of our episodes could be described thusly.
2: That's kind of our tagline. <laughs> it's a thing you probably know or do you. Yeah, uh, But it's a weird thing that we ass- we take for granted that right now at a certain time of day, pretty much all of us will like just kind of turn around like a troop of zombies and head for our respective horizontal surfaces mm-hmm. and then like lie down at about the same time. So civilization will disappear as we all... Head to our horizontal surfaces.
1: Well now you're describing you're talking about the normals who all go home at the same time and who go to sleep at the same time. Because you've never had that kind of Stepford suburban that's life right, man, that's with, right. With the white picket fence that's, well, I and actually, the well-adjusted <laughs> family life. <laughs> I do have a white picket fence. Oh yeah. Yeah. But that's cosplay. That's a that's a beard. To conceal the fact that to conceal all the bodies in your basement, yeah, late at night, I've got my leather pants on, and I'm
2: when neighborhood children go, go missing, nobody's ever like, Let's check that out. Oh, no, it's kind of oh, white, white picket, white picket fence. fence. This
1: guy's obviously no, that guy's in there dancing the shaman's dance, <laughs> but yes, you're right. At night, this is a frustrating thing for me as a night person that everything, all of civilization, all of human endeavor goes away, shuts down completely. I can't get a roast beef sandwich past nine o'clock at night. Not in Seattle. Barely past seven o'clock at night. I share your chronotype. Yeah, that's right. We are both late wakers.
2: Or in the parlance of whoever wrote the book on this stuff, we are owls. Oh, we're owls. We're not larks. No. Larks are
1: awful. Which would you rather be, (laughs) an owl or a lark? I think it's clear. Well,
2: there's a stereotype. Owls are wise, larks sing. Now, you probably consider yourself a wise
1: singer. Hmm. So it's tricky for you. Hmm. Yeah. But I don't sing like a lark. (laughs) (laughs) I sing like an owl pretty much. You don't, (gasps) you're you're
2: not a Disney princess. (laughs) You don't wake up and stretch and uh, like little forest squirrels and birds put your cloak over your shoulders. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It may be that uh, we're speaking to an audience that does not have to spend a third of its time just turned off.
1: Well, now let's, uh, Let's think about that. Is there any living creature on earth that doesn't have a period of rest?
2: Yeah. uh, Senator Ted Cruz. Oh. He just kind of sits
1: there. Late at night, he's he's out Zodiac killing.
2: (laughs) I think he just like sits eating soup in front of
1: infomercials. Oh, really? I thought you were (laughs) going to say sits and and eats live bats. Yeah. He also eats. No. 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 See, that's that's the
2: shaman's dance. (laughs) 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 Ted Cruz is just doing like the gelatinous cubes set. Uh, I think all, well, you know, at a certain microscopic level, I I bet there are amoeba that have no dormant.
1: Amoeba just go, 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 rah, rah, rah. Maybe. I feel like, I feel like our biologist listeners are going to tweet us about this.
2: They don't have the same germs as us. They have no idea.
1: They're going to at you.
2: Bacteria lack a central nervous system. This is a thing I just thought of in my head and not something I looked up right. online.
1: You can see right through them and you could see if they had a central nervous system, which <laughs> <Right>. they don't.
2: <laughs> you could see if they had a little <laughs> alarm clock or white noise machine. No, they just have a center. They do
1: not uh, They do have, even little tiny
2: things have circadian cycles. So they're attuned to 24 hour day and night.
1: But does that go all the way down to tiny little, do their cilia start vibrating in a different direction?
2: After Letterman? But even though they do have some kind of, you know, blue green algae, for example, do have some kind of circadian. Yeah. They have their photosynthesis tuned to a clock. It doesn't mean they have some eight hour dormant period. They don't
1: rest. They keep on keeping on.
2: They're like some tech startup IPO Uh guy that can get by on no sleep.
1: So they're either going or they're growing, but they're never slowing. (laughs) What is that a reference to? I just made it up. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Thank you. Uh, is it a bumper sticker? How do you, I could be, could how, be soon. How do you visualize it? They're either, it? they're either going or they're growing. But they're never slowing. So it's possible that we're speaking to some kind
2: of uh, fungal life or, or robotic life that does not need uh, the kind of reset that higher mammals and other creatures in our time get from sleep. But even
1: robotic life is going to need to power up. Like somehow like to download a new version from Apple. Well, I mean, they have to be, I I guess if they're nuclear powered, they're still going to need a period where they, uh, discard their old fuel and put new fuel in. There's always going to be a cycle of some kind. Well, it's kind of a mystery about why
2: we have it, right? Because it seems evolutionarily like it's a downside that you're vulnerable for eight hours at night when lots of things with sharp teeth and claws are out hunting. Right. Um, you're soft, you're in a tree hoping for the best.
1: We're not alone in this, though. all All of our sure. fellow mammalians are also doing it at
2: some point. So there must be some advantage to it. We just we're not a hundred percent sure even today in Arte what it is. And I'm sure, I'm sure our listeners know they know the answer. They're not going to write us, right? Um, no,
1: they can't write us. They're well in the future.
2: They have a different chronotype. Their, <laughs> their chronotype is not in your time frame.
1: But we're we're investigating this all the time now, right? There's, there's like sleep, you, like you, you and me. Uh, Well, you and I, definitely. In
2: in our lab. Yeah, yeah, there are scientists who have, for example, kept rats from sleeping for three weeks. Oh, what a great job. (laughs) And guess what happens? (laughs) The rats die. (laughs) So the mechanism is not clear. I hope our futurelings
1: are not just giant rats who are like, that's one more rat reference. This is
2: before the (laughs) uprising, you know, before before the giant (laughs) uprising when they put us in mazes. Uh, There's some theories that it, you know, it's definitely some kind of cognitive reset that having this big unwieldy brain we've evolved comes with side effects. And it's like a, you know, like when your laptop has too many processes running right? and all you can do really is turn it off and turn it back on again.
1: Yeah. I've I've read that, you know, you build up in your short-term memory or your short-term experience, all this energy of a whole day. And in order to utilize it at all or put any of it into deeper storage, you have to go through this sort of chunking uh, process in sleep to, discard what's not useful, contextualize what is useful and put it away somewhere.
2: Yeah. I think there's some research showing that it's a, it's actually a paring down process. Like you need to actually like forget like you, all that extra synaptic firing that's going on during the day. You've got to get rid of some of that except for what you're actually going to need. And I think people are generally aware of that, you know, uh, Like I had a lousy day yesterday and I was just so excited to go to bed.
1: (laughs) Get rid of it all. Because I knew
2: like the four or five stupid things I was worrying and churning about in my head, you know, like the tax check that bounced because my bank told me it would draw from the other account and it didn't. Uh,
1: I would like 25% less synaptic firing. Like all the time? Yeah. If I could figure out a way to target the, uh, the muting if I could mute certain synaptic firing and not other synaptic firing, have I you, don't want it across the board.
2: Have you tried just being like kind of a dummy? Just like <sighs> watch reality
1: TV? I, you know, this is the presence process, right? <laughs> I mean, this is, uh. You're, you're making a, a callback to a thing that happened before we started recording. <laughs> <laughs> but I you know, people are always telling me to live in the moment. And I often feel like living in the moment is just—it's just going to be all these moments. Well, that's that, the last thing I need. That it's like <laughs> I'm living in the damn moment, and it sucks. <laughs> no, uh, I, I feel like it's—it's it's just a conscious effort to to have twenty percent less synaptic firing. Is what it feels like to me. Everybody's suggestion about like no calm, focus on your breathing, and you know all these tips and tricks—they just feel like basically like try and stop yeah in our era the tip and trick i think is cannabis oh yeah that's what everybody that's what everybody says i can't do that and neither can you no so we're just sitting here in a non cannabis in a tempered, hel- hel- hellscape <laughs> non cannabis tempered hellscape our, our, <laughs> our weed free dystopia <laughs> while
2: everyone else seems so blissed out and mellow yeah and we're just like but what about the dolphins the dolphins are dying <laughs> You had you told me earlier this week that you are not sleeping
1: super well, oh, I've even told as you an this, owl. I've told you this many times before just earlier this week. I guess
2: specifically you told me that you were <laughs> you were very grouchy because you weren't sleeping well.
1: Yeah, oh that's right. Like but a rat about to die. I haven't been sleeping well for a long time and it it was weird to me because I was always an epic sleeper. Um, <laughs> Up top, bro. Yeah, that's Woo! right. <laughs> I could get 10 hours of sleep easily. I often, I mean, and I was on a, like we've discussed before, I had a, a cyclical emotional life as a bipolar person. And when I was on the downside, boy, I would sleep 14 hours. So uh, and ne- would
2: you love it or were you like, this
1: is not good, but I'll I. Well, because w- when your waking life is kind of a, a bummer, yeah. The, I mean, checking out in sleep is such a gift. Right. Uh, when you're suffering from depression, you just like take me sleep. Uh, in particular, I didn't have nightmares. I wasn't somebody who had, was restless in bed. You know, I would sleep and just, I'd wake up and I'd be like, oh no, reality is still here. But lately, the last five or six years, I guess, my life has been characterized with a, by a lot more anxiety. I never felt like I had anxiety, uh, but I have it now. And I lay awake in bed at night. I wake up in the morning and I've only gotten four hours of sleep, like day after day. I know it's taking a toll on me, and I'm tra- I've got melatonin and I've got I'm I've got my phone set so it shuts off. I put blackout curtains in my room. I'm doing all the things to try and have my my room be a sanctuary. There's no TV in
2: there. Do you only use your bed for sleeping and no, sex? No, that's what I always say.
1: Don't read in bed,
2: then you'll associate it with wakefulness.
1: Yeah, I do do other things in bed besides...
2: You're doing all drugs. the things minus one.
1: Yeah, right. Ambien? I don't want to take Ambien.
2: I don't, I, yeah, I never take anything but melatonin.
1: Yeah, I don't want any, I, I do not want any prescription drugs in my life. I believe it is something I can solve, but boy, I'm struggling. and And part of it is I have things to do in the morning now, where 15 years ago, I could sleep 14 hours because nobody cared. You know, I didn't have anywhere to be.
2: (laughs) Only a rock musician could ramp up to the high stress sellout life of the podcaster.
1: Yeah, that's right. (laughs) I mean, You're the only person in the world who's like, oh, podcasting. I got the old nine to five. It's true. It's true. I mean, I used to live a life where the band would, you know, if I didn't get there by 6 p.m., they'd be like, oh, he's probably still in bed. But now I have to get up. At 9 30 in the morning to do these podcasts because I might be here, I, know. I might be at the door like, like with bagels. Hey, John, when was the last time you brought bagels? I brought donuts like three months ago. <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't get like
2: in the time frame of our listeners, three months is nothing. What have you done for me? Lately? What they're gonna hear is like, Oh, Ken brought John donuts oh, one time. <laughs> Also, I'm not our, our, our West Coast bagels are nothing to write home That's about. True. That's true. I'm going to be a bagel snob, even though I probably couldn't taste the difference. You know, if there was a gun to my children's head, which well, would be a weird scenario. Did, uh, <laughs> taste the difference, Ken. If you, which of these bagels is water Tasted. from Brooklyn? Taste the difference. <laughs> I, I a, can't taste the difference. I have a very particular set of skills. Uh, uh, you're not alone, by the way, in your insomnia. Mm. Fifty to seventy million Americans report trouble sleeping. In fact, the mm. average sleep time per day in the U S is lower than almost anywhere else in the developed world, six hours and 31 minutes, which is not what we need. That's yes. not good for
1: us. No, if I get, if, if I look at my clock and say, I'm going to get six and a half hours of sleep, I feel like, okay, good. But I know it's not good. I mean, okay, good because I, it's better than four and a half hours, of sleep, but I know it's bad for me. Here's what a, a tender quivering snowflake
2: I am. Uh, I kind of need eight hours. And if I get like seven hours and 20 minutes, I'm kind of like pissed for the rest of the day. And oh, I, can, really? I can tell
1: And you can, I'm off my game. You, you're you good enough at sleeping that you can say like, well, time for sleep and get eight hours?
2: I feel like my only kind of anxious relationship with sleep was as a child, you know, living halfway across the world. We would fly back to Seattle every summer. And flying east is just murder. So I'd like sleep on the plane. I'd I'd be groggy during the day because I'm a nine-year-old kid. And then I just would lie awake all night. And you know what's terrifying if you're kind of a slightly neurotic nine-year-old is just being the only one awake in a big house. And I should have just got up and read a book or something, but I didn't. I just kind of lay there with my thoughts feeling bad because I wasn't sleeping every second. And just the awareness, I mean, it's the great thing about being an owl now is the awareness that no one else is awake. It's just kind of you and the universe, right? Right. Like there's there's this great kind of, Lonely. Uh, I'm doing my own. I'm on my own mountaintop, feeling.
1: Well, you and the Baba Duke, <laughs> right?
2: And Slenderman or whatever. <laughs> I feel like I never. Ha- I don't remember having Boogeyman kind of fears. Like I would go under my covers and pretend I was like hobbits escaping from the wraiths or whatever. You right, know, like right. hiding in my little hollow. But, but you was, could hide. It was and it was like cozy and and yeah. uh, pleasurable. It was not like uh, if I peek <laughs> out, like
1: there's gonna be a talon. How did you feel about ghosts? I'm in favor of them. No, but I mean, were you scared of them? No. Like, you think that that's a different category to you? Can you get yourself freaked out thinking about UFOs if you're alone in the night?
2: No. Does this happen to you? Like, is this the kind of anxiety? I I don't- Because mine is like, what if my children are growing away from me? Right. And you're like- They are. And you're like, what if the
1: saucer men come? I, For whatever reason, I have a long relationship with UFOs. And uh, and insist on saying it that way. And they do make periodic appearances in my room at night. Ah. Uh, one time, a long, long time ago, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I, and I was very awake and very conscious, and all of my pillows had turned to owls. Um, They were all still- Were the, they the, alive, st- owls? Yes. They were all the size and shape of pillows, but they were like snowy owls. And they were, and I have like- seven pillows around my bed.
2: Well, that's when you got to start cutting down on pillows. You don't want seven owls in well, your bed. And
1: there were, owl, there were owls all around. There was a pillow on the floor that was, had turned to an owl. They were all looking at me. Let me ask you this. What species of owl? They were snowy owls, big, ah. white, fluffy, pillow-shaped owls. Big Twin Peaks, uh, Otherworld owls. And I was, I, I was fully awake, and I realized that there was nothing to be done. And so I just grabbed the nearest owl and... Snuggled and up, murdered it. No, I snuggled up inside its little, little owl breast and went back to sleep. Well, later on, recounting this to people, a lot of people said, oh, "You know, owls are UFO s- symbology, right? Like if you see, if you have dreams about owls or you see owls in the night, it's." always like a UFO encounter.
2: So I understand that from Twin Peaks, but that doesn't make any sense to me because they have big eyes. I don't know why.
1: Yeah, I guess. Probably big they, eyes. They're, they're, I guess they're the
2: species of bird that looks most like an alien gray.
1: Yeah, they're the grays. But but I can absolutely, if I'm laying in bed and reading a book about uh, UFO encounters or uh, there's no... Well, here's your problem. You're so frustrated when I, feel I say like, UFO.
2: <laughs> why do I have to say Roderick three syllables, but you can't say UFO three syllables? I am sick of the double standard.
1: Well, because like UFO includes, it's a way of describing both the alien and the. the kind of the paranormal. Yeah, uh, and, the, and, the, and the experience, right? It's a, or and the machine. It's not just the machine. It's also the creature. Both can be UFOs. The creature is an UFO. The creature can stand, be It
2: must stand for something else then. It can't stand for unidentified flying object.
1: Well, unless it's an owl. At this point, it gets it gets an unidentified like, feathered owl. It's like snafu. When you say snafu, you don't think of what it what it originally meant. You don't say this is everything's gone foo bar, and like
2: you know. It, I do think that, oh. and I think fouled up. <laughs> I don't even think of the other thing,
1: fouled up beyond recognition. <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: I love when they actually said that in like the, in the 40s and 50s. They'd yeah. be like a military <laughs> acronym for fouled up beyond all recognition. And I'm sure half the audience is like, oh, oh wow, fouled yeah, up. Fouled yeah. up. I hate it when things get fouled pretty up. pretty strong language. It's pretty fouling strong. <laughs> so the owls are not what they seem. They are pillows.
1: Well, but so I. And, and, al- and aliens both. I can, in the middle of the night, get a cold, I can feel a cold hand and wake up with a start. And I used to like wake up and jump out of bed, like into combat posture. Uh, now I just. Like uh, like, a, like a martial arts Like, Yeah. Yeah, ready to defend. Now I just, I wake up with a start. I'll turn the light on really fast. I'll sit there. I'll hyperventilate for a second.
2: And you'll, and you'll still be in the movie theater.
1: Yeah, that's right. And then, well, it turned out Michael Jackson wasn't a zombie. <laughs> he was just my date. He was like, are you okay? <laughs>
2: So, are you? So, I I feel like I see the problem here. Your Hmm. story began as I nodded off to sleep reading my book about UFO abductions. Mm -hmm. I was shocked to find that, right? Have you considered maybe not reading 70s UFO abduction books before sleep? Absolutely.
1: Do not now. I do (laughs) not now. And I won't like, I won't watch a movie that's not only UFO, but also scary, like anybody creeping into the house, you know, the phone calls coming from within the house. I don't want to see any of that stuff. Because it, it does. It affects me late at night. Because I live alone. That's another thing, right? I mean, you live with a, I guess with that's a, true. a family all around you. A, a family that dislikes me, though. Right. So but, it, it amounts to much the same thing. But if the call comes from within the house, <laughs> you're going to be like, Dylan, is that you? I mean, you're going to. You're supposed to put your phone in the kitchen <laughs> at 1030. <laughs> but, you know, I live out here in the sticks on a big property with a, you know. With a, with a barn. With a barn. Does your barn have owls? It, well, it's full of creatures. That's why I keep a hat rack full of swords by the front door, just in case I need to. You know, a sword is ineffective at dealing with an intruder, but it's great at dealing with supernatural beings. Is that true? Well, sure. As as everyone knows, you can't shoot them. Is you it, have to it, fight because, them with a with a sword because from a, it's cold steel. Well, because they're Masonic swords.
2: Oh, they have they have uh, Illuminati yeah, yeah, uh, that's iconography
1: right. on that's them. Right, they're charged with the all seeing panopticon.
2: You need to go to bed reading a book about something. Comforting, calming, compound interest. Yeah, have you ever thought about just re- reading a long book about compound? Interest? Uh, just, re- just reading Thorstein
1: Veblen. Do you, know
2: what, <laughs> do you know what my wife actually does? Is she will turn on like the most boring podcast she can find on Wait her phone. Wait a minute,
1: it's. <laughs> Are you subtweeting me right now?
2: No, she loves oh. the dollop. Oh. No, I. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's not like not any specific show. Certainly not one of yours. Right. But she'll just listen to you know some podcast about financial planning uh-huh. or about uh, somebody's semester abroad in Finland or whatever, oh, and she'll just put that on her earbuds and nod right off. It's the great gift of-
1: Financial planning would cause me anxiety too. I guess that's true.
2: I have no- re- How much retirement am I supposed to have at age 50? Ah! <laughs> it's scary. It's like the Simpsons joke. Like there's a ghost story around the campfire and, and the punchline is, and that's how much college is going to cost for Maggie- <laughs> Uh, I have this, but I have the same problem sleeping today. If my mind is churning and mm-hmm. working overtime, mm-hmm. but I kind of, have if I get into a routine, I'm not a guy who can sleep on a plane or I can't, I don't even nap that well, mm-hmm. but if it's kind of my time and I've read for an hour and now I'm in bed, I just kind of float away to dreamland.
1: I can sleep sitting up. I can sleep on airplanes. I can sleep in a chair in a bus station. L-
2: let me ask you this. Do you know about the thing about how old timey people presumably... Or allegedly slept sitting up. Really? Have you ever been in a historic building and had the the guide or the docent say? Because if, if you go to old houses, I was in Shakespeare's house once. He wasn't home. Oh. But uh, the thing you notice in these Elizabethan houses was it is, Frank
1: Francis Bacon's house?
2: <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> actually Shakespeare. It wasn't the fake guy. <laughs> we should do a show about the dummies who think that Shakespeare is not Shakespeare. Yeah.
1: Unless there's so, uh, so many. Unless you're one of them. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not one of them. Although I've spent an awful lot of time uh, reading the Shakespeare conspiracies. I, love, I don't know why.
2: I love that there's some goofy Hollywood action producer. Who is it? Is it Bruckheimer or somebody who's, no, it's it's uh, it's Roland uh, Emmerich who's convinced from he's his, from his reading that he's figured out. And he actually greenlit a movie with, you know, who knows probably Jeffrey Rush or Colin Firth right? and or maybe both about how it was actually
1: Descartes the, or the, Thomas Aquinas, the
2: or, Earl of whoever <laughs> yeah, or a time traveling Hemingway right? or UFOs who actually wrote Macbeth. When it comes to meat, quality makes a huge difference in texture and taste.
3: And even though it might be better for you and the environment, a lot of the higher quality meat you find at the grocery store is just too expensive for most people's budget Get two pounds of ground beef and two packs of bacon absolutely free, plus twenty dollars off your first box when you visit butcherbox.com/slash iHeart or use the promo code iHeart at checkout. That's butcherbox.com/slash
2: iHeart or use the promo code iHeart at checkout. Uh, why was I saying this? Oh, I'm in Shakespeare's house again, he's not home, Mm -hmm. but you know, the rafters are very low, the beds are very small, and I'm like, to my wife, I'm like, uh, hey, it's because people were um, shorter back then due to nutrition.
1: And then the docent hears you. The docent
2: gets so angry. People were the same height. I'm so tired of hearing this. People were the same height in medieval times. They were
1: not the same height.
2: Spoilers, they were not the same height. There's (laughs) low protein diets, there's famines all the damn time. Yeah,
1: people were four foot 11.
2: (laughs) People literally were like the low end of of the five to six foot rate. Like they were, people were five three or five six or whatever in medieval times.
1: But he's mad. The docent is both ill-informed and mad. She's mad. Please don't assume. Pardon me.
2: Pardon me. Please don't assume that this hectoring
1: hectoring British person. (laughs) They were mad and they were ill-informed.
2: I don't know. I don't know their pronouns, but uh, yes, they were angry. And the reason why beds are small has nothing to do with height. They were all our height, but they uh, slept sitting up.
1: Well, you know, when the King Tut exhibit came to the United States in the 1970s. Did you know my mom, have I said this? My mom worked there. No, at yeah. the Seattle
2: Center? Yeah, she volunteered at the, the Science Center. So, oh. so
1: we got free tickets to King Tut. That's insane because the line went all the way. The, the line was like two miles long to see King Tut. The line went all the way to Cairo. But that's when we, that's when we first saw those Egyptian pillows. They described them as pillows, which were just pedestals, like <laughs> right. head pedestals. And I've uh, this can't, can't turn into an owl. Ever, ever since I was seven years old, I've tried to imagine what it would be like sleeping with your head on a were they Egyptian like, pest. Were they like pillow. these marble cylinder things? Yeah, well they didn't they had there was nothing soft about them. Right. They were like cradles. But were, were they stone? No, they were wood, mm. I think. But like carved wood, but sort of elevated cra- head cradles that just felt like I mean, I guess that would be a good pillow if you were trying to keep pinching insects out of your ears, <laughs> but like not a thing that you could really cuddle up with.
2: You don't see people walking off planes with like a wooden horseshoe <laughs> around their neck. <laughs> right. Like they're an oxen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she, but she's, apparently there's very little evidence for this, this idea that people- Slept like the, setting up. But, uh, but there are tons of small beds that are smaller than they should be. But you know the other thing that for for many years there was little evidence of the phenomenon second sleep what 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 time are
1: we at here? Oh, I see that's now a uh, that's a thing on our Facebook page fan group trying to some co- c- celebrate how long it takes us to actually mention the topic so some some complaining it's twenty six minutes into the show when you mentioned second sleep.
2: It's useful for people because now they know how much they can skip mm-hmm. next time mm-hmm. twenty six minutes and we'll be like, so. <laughs> You were saying. (laughs) So the battle of uh, Cana. Tell me about second
1: sleep, Ken Jennings.
2: For many years, we just assumed, I feel like Proust. For many years, I went to bed early. Mm -hmm. Uh, For many years, we assumed that everybody slept like we do. At night,
1: when else would you sleep, right? right? For many years, I assumed that everyone had my musical taste.
2: Like we, ass- <laughs> like, yeah, that's why you're always just going up to randos in line at the bank and
1: starting conversations
2: about ACDC. Yeah,
1: right. And they don't give it, they like, don't Can care. you imagine Bob Rock just sitting there recording each string of a Def Leppard guitar part?
2: Sir, I'm calling the police. <laughs> <laughs> in uh, we assume that of all the things that have probably changed, we're, we're okay with the idea that recreation changed, that the, wor- the workday day, ch- you know, It used to be kids in coal mines for 18 hours and now it's different.
1: All kinds of values have changed.
2: Foods are probably different. Sure. Like in our lifetime, uh, you know, when I was a kid, Ted Danson was doing blackface routines. Right. That should be, that should be an entry in the omnibus.
1: Well, and I think that this is. We uh, assume that stuff changes very quickly. uh, uh, That it changes quickly and that it changes rapid or not just quickly, but that it changes often. Like the value, sure. American values between 1930 and now have changed 50 times and, you know, pretty radically. Some of our country clubs have uh, our Jewish friends in them. Come on. It's crazy. Come on. They have their own country clubs. They don't want to be in our crappy. <laughs> All of our country clubs are in severe decline. All uh, oh, those poor waspy country clubs. People the, tried so hard.
2: The real victims. But we assume that sleep, I think, must be the one thing that has been unchangeable. Poet. Philip Sidney called it the poor man's wealth. Sleep is the poor man's wealth. It's the prisoner's release. You know, this idea that it's a thing, a universal thing we all share.
1: Well, because it feels, it feels pre-cultural, right? I mean, we all go to, we all sleep when we're tired and we wake up when we're rested. And so it doesn't seem like something that would be susceptible to Having cultural influence or, or habit. It would
2: be like, are there cultures that fart differently? No, sometimes your body just needs to
1: sleep. Well, I don't know about that. I know a lot of people that have never farted. Is that true? Well, never farted around me. (laughs)
2: <laughs> let's list all the people who have never, I'm going to name a person and you're going to tell me whether or not they have farted around you. Okay, go George Eastman, inventor of a uh, uh, Kodak. Never
1: farted around me. Is that right? Yeah, no, not a single time. Uh, He's very chaste. <laughs> President Warren G. <laughs> Harding. Warren G. Harding did fart quite a bit actually when we were camping.
2: French actress, animal rights activist, uh, Bridget Bardot.
1: Oh, Bridget Bardot. No. Uh, well, her farts smell like roses. Oh, isn't that nice? Yeah. She actually took the potion invented by Benjamin Franklin.
2: Benjamin Franklin invented a potion?
1: Did you know that Benjamin Franklin, this is is absolutely something we're going to talk about on this show. Benjamin Franklin spent a considerable amount of his intellectual capital trying to develop a tincture that would cause your farts to smell like roses. Think how smelly. He worked on this a lot. So what are we thinking here? That he was
2: just tired of other people farting or was his gas so awful that he (laughs) needed this so desperately?
1: I feel like a lot of his work has benefited us even into, unto now. Like he was, he was a humanitarian and I feel like he from moment to moment had ideas of sort of varying degrees of, of success. And um, he spent all that time in France and Sweden, and I think there are probably a lot of bad smells. And he uh, <laughs> <coughs> way to piss off the French well, you for you know no the, Fran- the French are are very perfumed, right at this time because they smell so bad. And there's also, you know, they're going poop behind curtains and stuff. There was no indoor plumbing then. But that's not specific to France, John. No, no. Are that you saying was every, just, it was every, just the French? Everyone every else other,
2: had toilets. And the French were like, "I will not poop. <laughs> I will not defecate there. It
1: is too long to walk. The curtain is closer." <laughs>
2: Benjamin Franklin is one of many men of his time who actually slept differently than we do today. He's on the record as being a biphasic sleeper. Really? Here's what that means. Uh, in 1992, a researcher named Thomas Ware did a groundbreaking study on short photo periods. He took people away from the world of artificial lighting and made sure they only got light for two Ten hours a day, fourteen hours of darkness, ten hours a day, just to see what would happen to their circadian rhythms and their sleep cycle. Sure, he
1: got a government grant.
2: It's like the thing where you make sure your baby is raised by coyotes just to see if they will eventually speak the language of, of Adam and Eve. Right, the coyote language.
1: No, which Adam is and what Eve. Adam and Eve spoke. Adam
2: and Eve spoke the coyote language. Y- you've they read had, the Bible?
1: They held up signs
2: like <laughs> Wiley Coyote. <laughs> oh. Like, like they, you know how Wiley Coyote doesn't talk, but he holds up a little sign saying, right. "Uh oh, uh oh." That's why, like Eve eats an apple, and Adam has a little sign, "Uh oh," and then God falls on him. <laughs> <laughs> baby. Uh, so he, what Thomas Ware found when you uh, expose people to shorter photo periods is but that they slept more? sleep in chunks. They will take, uh, two naps a day lasting between three and a half and four hours with a gap in between them. And this seemed pretty invariable. Their sleep would eventually go from a big eight hour chunk to this. And it's interesting because, you know, 10 hours of, of light a day is, kind of what spring and fall would be like in a lot of northern Europe in a society with no artificial lighting. Right. And he wondered, could this be how sleep used to be? Is this a more natural mode of sleep?
1: So, when you say two naps a day, are you saying that that is that constitutes the entirety of their sleep? Yeah. And they st- take two 4-hour naps. In in a, in the course of 24 hours.
2: Yeah, basically they're getting the same amount of sleep the doctors recommend today, you know, seven or eight hours. They're just splitting it into chunks. But does it happen during
1: daylight hours as well as at night? Or is it just during the 14 hours of darkness? It was
2: during their dark period. It was a very dark period for them. They, you know, it's when you would expect them to sleep, but he was, he was not expecting them to segment their sleep like this.
1: And then, so they were then, if they were sleeping eight hours during this 14 hour period, that means that they were also awake for six hours in the middle of the night?
2: No, uh, they wouldn't, they wouldn't sleep at the beginning of the dark period. And then again, at the end necessarily, but there would be a gap of, I think between one to three hours in his study. And in 2001, a Virginia tech researcher named Roger E. Kirch published a groundbreaking article, Sleep We Have Lost, Pre-Industrial Slumber in the British Isles. Mm. Inspired by Ware's research, he went back into the historical record to see if he could find cases of people sleeping in what appears to be this natural way, segmented into two periods. And sure enough, like literary works are full of references In the Arabian Nights, a character says, tell me a story, sister, so as to pass the waking part of the night. Mm. The waking part of the night. (coughs) There's a character in uh, Chaucer's Squire's Tale, one of the Canterbury Tales, named Canacee, And she decides, quote, to go to rest soon after it was evening and slept her first sleep and then awoke. Her first sleep. Same thing in Don Quixote. Don Quixote followed nature and being satisfied with his first sleep did not solicit more. Whereas Sancho just sleeps through the night like a log, like a weirdo. And the weird thing about all these references is they're not explained. It appears to be a commonplace thing that the reader understands that characters will have a first sleep and a second sleep. So we'd been reading these texts for centuries and had not even noticed this fact that people are sleeping weird before the 17th century.
1: Now I'm going to push back on second sleep. I don't want to push back on it until you have laid out the case for second sleep. Because I think it's a fascinating case.
2: Like you're going to say it, it's not good or you think it doesn't exist?
1: Well, <clears throat> I feel like things like these literary references, like the waking part of the night and first sleep, and then I I didn't uh, engender a second one and this type of thing. When I re- read those references, just like we all did, the reason that they didn't stand out as describing a thing that was universal in the time, which is two sleeps, I think it's that they are describing a kind of insomnia or they're describing a, a feeling of like, you know, the waking part of the night, which is that you wake up and then you're awake at night. And so I think, I think this is an example of going back into the literary record and finding what you're, what you want to find, or it could be. There's a, there is a, just as much a possibility that this is bias confirmation rather than actually the way people thought then, because if it was, I think there would be actually more in the written record actually that elucidates it or that specifically like we all went to bed at dusk and then woke up and had our potluck and had our sex party. That thing that, as you know, everyone does. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, Rather than, than finding it encoded kind of in this like uh, in, in literary device
2: well, it turns out there are more, you're in luck. There are more explicit references. Oh,
1: let's hear them.
2: And I think you're, you're not wrong though. I think uh, I was looking at some of, you know, E. Kirch claims to have found references to first and second sleep in Homer's Odyssey, for example, and in Gilgamesh. And when I looked at those, it kind of fell apart a bit. Like uh, the Greek that, that is often translated in Homer as, uh, and in his first sleep The better translation is probably, and shortly after falling asleep, you know, it it really just means soon after he fell asleep in his first hours, moments of sleep. Right. Um, So yes, he is definitely prone to see his theory where it is not in the matter of, in the matter of all researchers of everything. Right. But there is more specific reference, including people doing it firsthand. Oh, Uh, let's hear it. uh, Benjamin Franklin, you mentioned, for example. My hero. He liked to get up in the middle of the night. He'd sleep for three or four hours. He'd get up. He would uh, open all the windows, take off all his clothes uh-huh. and sit in a chair and read. He called this a cold air bath. Uh-huh. And it makes me wonder if that was the only kind of bath he was taking. You know?
1: <laughs> but I feel like that is evidence that Ben Franklin was a kook and a crank, less evidence that it was a, a commonplace or a popular Thing to do.
2: Okay, how about this? Um, it would actually be part of. I'm going to try
1: that. By the way, the the cold air bath.
2: <laughs> you,
1: you, you can try it right now. <laughs> sitting, you don't have the windows <laughs> open, but I'm here, sitting in a chair, naked, just sort of just like naked. pinching your nipples and <laughs> the middle of the night <laughs>
2: and reading your UFO paperbacks. Oh, this is good. Uh, Why does he have to have the windows open? I wonder. Never felt so alive. I wonder if there's some kind of exhibitionism in Doctor Franklin's uh, nighttime habits. Um, because there is also wealth, there is also evidence of people going out and about. We have journals where people go to visit friends and chat with neighbors implying that they are up as well, and it's not a weird time to actually do some social stuff
1: right. I find those accounts more convincing.
2: that seems i'm I'm working my way up. Okay. John all right uh, when you think about the uh, whatever you call it, the nocturnes that the 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 daily clock of prayer that religious people would use uh-huh. um. Today, the prayer called matins is done in the morning. It's one of the lauds. It's, a, it's the first prayer that you would say in the morning.
1: It's, it's right there in the name. Yes,
2: matins. Mat- matinee. But matins just means morning. And medievally, apparently, this was a, a prayer you would say at like in the middle of the night, like 2 a.m., 2 in the morning. So there were multiple prayers that people would get up at night and say. So often what you would do with this waking hour is you would say your prayers.
1: But now this feels like a little bit of maybe a little cart before the horse. Like religious kooks will do all kinds of weird things, including get up in the middle of the night to say prayers.
2: Well, yeah, what a what weirdos. <laughs> Rather what, than. What, ra- this is why we need the new <laughs> atheism to stop these guys from waking up at night and saying a prayer. Saying
1: loud prayers with all their windows open, bare <laughs> naked. I don't think they're saying it loud. But you know what I mean? Like, it, like if this is a religious observance, sure. that does not. Necessarily prove that this is
2: except at the time saying a bunch of prayers a day would be a near universal religious experience. This is not, you know, in our time. Yeah, like who's the one guy in your neighborhood who does that? Me. <laughs> it's, it's John. <laughs> who are you? Who are you praying to? By the way, at Cthulhu. two a.m. Cthulhu. You're praying, to, you're praying to King Tut. Please, owls, do not
1: peck my eyes out.
2: Ever since you I... saw King Tut's golden <laughs> mask as a boy, you've you've been like, this is my god now. <laughs> People would write about how they would just get up and have a nice smoke mm-hmm. for an hour. Um, I've done that. That's appealing. People would pee. Obviously, that's something that happens today. Now,
1: I do I do believe that that's true. People do get up in the night and pee.
2: And sometimes I have the pro- the problem where I will get up and then I'm, I'm at an age where I can no longer, I have to think about what time I have like my last beverage in the evening. Not coffee, but any liquid. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, oh, nine o'clock, I'm probably gonna have to pee around 3 a.m. I want that pee? And sometimes I cannot get back to sleep. So I don't oh, sit naked in a chair. Oh,
1: you have that problem. If you wake up in the middle of the night, it's hard to get back to sleep.
2: Sometimes, especially if there's something else going on, jet lag or, mm-hmm. or you know, something I know is going to happen in the morning. I'm a terrible first night in a hotel room sleeper. Oh
1: yeah. For sure. Do you unpack when you go to a, when you stay in a hotel room? <laughs> Do you put your stuff in the drawers?
2: When I see that in movies, I think it's the weirdest thing. Like mm-hmm. when I see somebody take full, taking folded clothes out of their suitcase and putting in drawers in a hotel, I'm like. Are you an E.M. Forrester character? Like, what is going on my here?
1: My mom unpacks her suitcase and puts everything away in the drawers when she stays in a hotel.
2: Uh, I like staying in, like, an Airbnb for a week. Like, if, here's my rule. If it's a place with a kitchen, I will unpack my clothes. Interesting. If the place has no kitchen, no, they come out of the suitcase. Huh. Sometimes I will put dirty laundry in a drawer. How about that?
1: Oh. Just and, a, and you leave it there yeah, for the, for the housekeeper? I leave it for the next guest. Yeah, you're, you're rich enough that you don't, have to, <laughs> you don't have to clean your clothes anymore. I pick just...
2: out my outfit for the trip <laughs> and then I leave it in, uh, in Baltimore or yeah. whatever. Well, I don't want it stinking up the new clothes.
1: I see what you're saying.
2: Um, people, we have accounts of people writing in journals pond, and pondering dreams specifically. Like, because when you wake up, dreams are very fresh in your head. So if you have this hour in the night to contextualize your dreams... Typically, I only remember the thing I was dreaming right when I first woke up. But this would give you twice the surface area of dreams, so to speak.
1: Well, so I hate to refer to a sleep researcher, as you know, in the context of our friendship, I hardly ever refer to a sleep re- researcher.
2: And when you do, you talk about your deep disgust. And I'm like, and ugh, for it.
1: here I go again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to do that thing. But there is a book by a sleep re- researcher named Dr. Matthew Walker called Why We Sleep. And in his research, he describes the phases of sleep and says that in the first part of the night, the earlier part of the night, you're in deep, deep, like catatonic sleep almost. You're not- That's not your REM sleep. You're not reming at all. You're just, your body goes all the way down into a kind of neural processing mode where, like we were talking about before, the building blocks of your memory are being shifted around- But you're not in that state of where your body is paralyzed because you're not actually dreaming. You're just moving building blocks around. Mm -hmm. And REM sleep is really reserved. It's the last sleep you have in the course of the night, which again suggests that this wake up halfway through the night and ponder your dreams thing is some kind of medieval horn, hornwash. 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 It's, it's not hogwash it's a medi- it's a medieval and it's not time. hornswoggle. No, it's, it's both.
2: It's so false that it's both <laughs> hogwash and hornswoggle.
1: It's hog swallow or <laughs> hornwash.
2: Uh, well, I think people at the time must have known this in some sense. One of the words they use, we see in the literature for first sleep is uh, death sleep.
1: Oh, death sleep.
2: Like they were aware that this was a much stiller, deeper sleep if than what only. they were getting the second time.
1: Only. <laughs> the sweet release. If only death sleep would come. <laughs>
2: They would also say beauty sleep. There was some folk belief that that was where you would get your rejuvenation and your cheeks would pink huh? and, uh, and whatever. Another medical belief about the first segment of sleep, if we allow for a moment that it's not hornwash, is that, uh, sex in the middle of the night was the most productive, the most likely to lead to conception.
1: I can confirm that. We
2: <laughs> How could you possibly confirm that? <laughs> There's a medical text from 16th century France in which a a doctor specifically advises couples having a hard time conceiving to do it after the first sleep. And he does not say, hey, try this weird thing, this weird hornwash where you wake up in the middle of the night and then have sex. He actually says, you know, after the first sleep, try it out. Um, He says people who do this, A, have more enjoyment and B, do it better. Hmm. do it better. How can he prove that? <laughs> well, he's been going around his neighborhood. Uh, ding and, dong. And pe- no, he doesn't, he just peeps in windows. And at the time there's no cameras, So he's a sketch artist. He's doing engravings at people's windows of, uh,
1: you know, of technique. Pointillist uh, engravings of yeah. them, like having sex, standing up against the wall. Pointillist pointers. Which is another thing that they say in- increases your chances of procreation have sex standing up.
2: Not super relevant to this topic though.
1: No, but uh, you know, just like you I were say, just something you were
2: visualizing. I mean, look, I have
1: my own research. <laughs> I,
2: have, I have my own
1: rich inner life. <laughs> I can't always like stop imagining. But again, when, when you say, uh, when you quote that passage, you say after first sleep as though, I mean, just in the way that you say it out loud, you are, there is a little confirmation bias just uh, because you're pronouncing it in a sense that, uh, in, in and, a, and
2: you're hearing after first sleep. Right, exactly. Like after you first sleep
1: for a bit. You could just, you could put an extra, you could put a different cadence on it and it would seem less like the quote was was inferring. A commonality. You're a determined second sleep skeptic. Well, I'm very skeptical. I'm not saying that it is because when I when I first heard the theory, it really resonated with me. Like, oh right, of course, there was something all along true about us that that we have lost with with civilization. I'm and super susceptible to that stuff, mm. right? Like, oh, something was lost, and now that we've discovered second sleep, everything will make sense again. That, and that's that's something very personal to you. All the broken things
2: will be fixed. If only, if only polyphasic
1: sleep. Yes, modernity, like we've solved the problem ever since the Industrial Revolution, we've
2: lost our second sleep. You're Brian Wilson, you were not made for this time.
1: But I have found that, because I'm a a perfect candidate for, if this is a natural process, right? If this is a natural rhythm, I would be a perfect candidate to have experienced it firsthand. Because for years I had no obligations and lived in a northern climate, you know, like it would have manifest itself, and I do sometimes wake up in the middle of the night and go get a glass of water. but I do not you know that's not a time in the uh, when I feel especially sexy or procreative i don't I never get up and go out and visit my neighbors, so your evidence here, despite a vast corpus of
2: of contemporaneous text
1: attesting mm. to this.
2: Mm. It cannot be true because y- you don't do it.
1: No, it, <laughs> no, but, it, but I live in a culture where if there was something to this that wasn't, I mean, I, I'm not uh, against the idea that second sleep was a cultural phenomenon of a time in a place. You're just saying it's not any more natural or uh, If there were any people that were prepared to do it, it would be my cadre of artists and drunks. Did and, you know we
2: know someone who does second sleep routinely? Who is it? You have to guess. I'm going to name some French movie stars. <laughs> is it,
1: is it, is it George Meyer? It is our writer friend, George. Well, you know, now George is a Ben Franklin-like character, <laughs> yes. right? Who could. He invented bifocals. Who could absolutely set about to second sleep as either a project or as, it, as a thing. I asked him about to it. To do. I asked him about it once. It is not a project to him.
0: Just download the app to your desktop, tablet, or phone and start playing. Musician gives you 24/7 access to a vast catalog of video lessons from professionally trained educators, as well as thousands of exercises and songs across dozens of music genres, all tailored to your goals. And with Musicians' award-winning technology that listens to you play, you'll get real-time feedback on timing and accuracy, so you can actually see yourself improving as you learn. Start your extended 14-day free trial of Musicians' Premium Plus package at musician.com/slash start that's unlimited access to thousands of lessons exercises and songs on as many instruments as you want for two whole weeks just go to musician.com slash start that's y-o-u-s-i-c-i-a-n dot com slash start
2: well here first of all let me say here's one thing about second sleep that may not or probably biphasic sleep or whatever that may not lend itself to your particular chronotype or lifestyle or, or sexy Mm -hmm. self Mm -hmm. image
1: or whatever is
2: that uh, it requires going to bed early. Like these people would all like,
1: Oh, go to bed at dusk.
2: Yeah. The evening would wind down. They maybe don't even have candles in their homes. So they all go to bed at eight o'clock and they're up at midnight raring to go. Right. Um, and that's something we cannot approximate unless we throw out our TVs and phones and, and
1: electric lights and all and our lighting. Cars that big
2: neon light you have <laughs> in your window that says wild times. Sex now. Why do you even have that?
1: Here, sex here. <laughs> <laughs> it says it in French, and most of my neighbors don't speak French. So, so
2: le you. sex you see. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, the French do have a word for this. Uh, Period in the middle of the night, a beautiful word. And again, evidence that it must be a thing if you make a word for it.
1: From a bourgeois?
2: It is called from a bourgeois, which <laughs> means cheese of the forest. No, it's called dorvet, which Dorvay. means wake,
1: sleep. Oh, that's beautiful. It is. Why do two guys even know what dorvet means? T- two guys? Like, who, <laughs> Sorry, that's like, a Fight Club reference. I, I oh, shouldn't have made it. I, see I shouldn't what you're have saying. made it.
2: I thought we were the two guys.
1: We are. We are the two guys. We uh, now both know what dorve means.
2: In English language text, it's often called the watch, you know, like related to the, the military habit that someone has to be, or maybe nautical habit that someone has to be up, I guess.
1: Well, and this is a thing. I mean, so in reading about sleep, which I've done quite a bit of trying to figure out what my habit is, you're right? Probably trying to sleep. You're in the middle of the night reading. I do not typically go to sleep until four o'clock in the morning. So you're not a good candidate. But I do. But there is this sense of the watch of a group of of mammals who are part of a cult, uh, part of a, a family or a tribe, needing people, needing individuals. I'm not going to say people because I'm not speciesist. But you don't know what word our future listeners
2: identify. Who knows? As.
1: Beings. There there need to be a certain small percentage of beings within the family group or tribal group that are up all night because everyone is vulnerable. The majority of the, of the pack is vulnerable to Predator.
2: And do you feel like that when you're up at night? Do you feel like you're a little meerkat standing outside the burrow? I
1: do. I do. I am on watch. I do go out and, and walk around the neighborhood and patrol. I do. And and do you write nasty notes, anonymous notes to your neighbors?
2: Not, not
1: generally. I have.
2: (laughs) Please, (laughs) please cease with the, beat a
1: diddle music (laughs) after 10 o'clock signed the neighborhood. But for years I would go out and walk around with a sword. (laughs) Uh, You've said this on the show before (laughs) and I don't think I believe it ever. It's true. uh, Just because it was, I mean, there's no one else out. I wasn't doing it in order to be caught or seen, but. Which is a good move by the way. Yeah, no, no. You don't want to be seen in a bathrobe carrying a sword, like blocks from your house. Not if
2: you want to continue to live in your house.
1: But you know, I would be kind of fencing supernatural beings and out. You know, like if a car would come, I would step into the shadows. I mean, I'm a weirdo. Don't I'm not a no an one example. hearing this. St- no one hearing this story thinks you're a weirdo, John. But but I did feel there was something I felt like uh, very innately that I was that I was on watch. And I, and I feel bad at night.
2: I think about that a lot too. Cause a lot of the pleasure for me of being up at night is the idea that you're the special one who yeah, is here, right. you know, like you're experiencing a part of the world that the normals are not. I am present. Yeah. And, uh, and the funny thing is that would be gone in a culture where the watch was the norm and, uh, you were, you would wake up and you know.
1: And everybody's out having tea and...
2: Right. And boinking their spouses and pinching right. and na- their nibbles. And your neighbor might come over and if it's Ben Franklin, he might be naked. <laughs> <laughs> so George specifically says that he does not choose this. Like, he will find himself... You know, he goes, tends to go to bed early and he'll wake up in the middle of the night and he'll find... You know, he has no problem nodding off in right. the evening. But once he wakes up, he finds that he's very wakeful and it takes some activity. Uh, he said usually sexual. And, uh, uh-huh. and so he and you do not have the same uh, sex chronotype. At Th- least.
1: thankfully, we live across town from one another. I don't know. What,
2: well, I don't know what two birds you use for people who feel sexy at night and people who feel unsexy. The peacock and the,
1: <laughs> and the what's the sexiest night bird? Uh, uh, boy, the sexiest night bird. That is a great album the title. The swallow.
2: The sexiest night bird. Oh, nightbird. I don't
1: want it to be the swallow. That's gross.
2: That was not a pun. Swallows dip and dip around at dusk. Nine out of 10
1: things you say is a, are puns. Are,
2: are dirty puns? Yeah. You can't, you can't you now think claim a,
1: like, oh, I don't make dirty puns. You think I'm just a walking episode of some <laughs> British comedy duo? Yeah. You're like a book that you would find in someone's bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Ken's dirty puns. I think you are hearing dirty puns where there are
2: none. The, swa- the swallow is a beautiful bird of dusk.
1: That may be true. <laughs>
2: The, and you are not a beautiful bird of dust. The apparently.
1: sexiest night bird, I think is probably the, uh, the the,
2: the, the, peacock who is a night watchman at that plant. Okay.
1: Let's call that. Let's call it that. The night watchman peacock.
2: Right. Yeah. He, he's he got a job to do and. Uh,
1: she's, she's shrieking and.
2: <laughs> yeah. What a terrible, terrible, what a terrible, ter- night terrible night watchman he, he would be. I guess he would scare off intruders at the plant. No, it's the grouse.
1: The grouse is the sexiest night bird.
2: I feel like a grouse is a very chubby bird. Well, what's sexier that's, that's than what your little for. chub? Yeah. I love
1: my thick nightbird. Come on, thick with two C's.
2: <laughs> so, you know, even in our time, you and I know people who practice second sleep. George, I George still take an ambient, but he prefers not to. He likes to just wait and, uh, and after an hour or two, nod off.
1: I know people that go to sleep at 8 p.m. and wake up at 4 a.m., but that's because they got eight hours of sleep. Well, your math doesn't. Oh, no, your math totally checks out. Beep. No, you can leave that in. No, I was going to leave it in. That was a beep of. (laughs) That
2: was the bad math beep.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Bad math beep. That you always used to do when you were in your high teacher. But if you go to, if you go to bed at eight, you can wake up in the middle of the night and start reading the New York Times. I try this when I have an early flight. I can't get to sleep at eight. No, you have to be insane to get to sleep at eight. Or you have to be one of these uh, cockadoodles or whatever you call them. Look
2: (laughs) at the the cockadoodles. I often have this idea that I could do it gradually. Like, I, I think about this for jet lag. Like, could I get myself on Tokyo time if I just like moved up my sleep an hour a day, like I'm on a cruise ship or whatever?
1: Living on Tokyo time. Is
2: that also a, a good name for a...
1: Well, no, that's uh, that was a living on Tulsa time oh. reference.
2: Tulsa and Tokyo have a lot in common. They
1: really do. They're, uh, you know, there are more churches in Tokyo than anywhere else in, in Japan.
2: Right. People having sex with pillows. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh What was I I even saying? Oh, Oh, my idea
1: for beating jet lag. I see. Right. Right. Does it work? Can you do it? Can you force yourself to change your habits?
2: I've never tried it, but there are people who, uh, you know, there, there are all these online accounts today of people intentionally pushing their sleep habits to what they feel is the max. Um, inventor and visionary Buckminster Fuller was one of these guys who was always reading accounts of, you know, how the super smart and, uh, and achieving among us could, you know, you always read accounts of how Todd Tesla only slept for two hours a night and Margaret Thatcher slept for four hours a night and she spent the other four hours, you know, right. sucking baby's blood or whatever. Yeah, right. Um, Famously. You know, there's this idea that people who sleep less are, are getting a bigger bite of the apple than the rest of and
1: us. And people that wake up early are more virtuous than people that sleep late and...
2: Ben Franklin again, man. Early to Ben, early to Rise which i which i feel is a kind of um he meant earlier as at 2 a.m. when you sit naked in a chair. That's
1: right. I i have always felt that that was discriminatory that I, that it was not that me staying up late and i think you you concur right staying up late is not it doesn't because make you you're a better lazy. person. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't get up early in the morning and hustle off to work but i also like don't feel that i'm a, a scofflaw.
2: I have to admit that um a lot of the reason a lot of the enjoyment i get from being up late is not just the sense of solitude and disconnection uh but it's also kind of like you're on a plane you have ideas because you're unmoored yeah but it's also just the idea that i have procrastinated something which is bedtime right and you could say that maybe i'm a bad lazy person because i'm putting something off i could do now or you could say that i'm a amazing two marshmallow kid who can defer pleasure
1: for, you do, for, for achievement. You wait for that second marshmallow. You're not just going to gobble the first one. Right. So maybe it's more virtuous to put off sleep. I have always felt personally that I avoid going to sleep until I absolutely am forced to. Like I abhor going to sleep. But then once I'm asleep, I abhor waking. It's just inertia. You like the thing you're currently doing. Well, or, uh, and also like I resist sleep. Like, I, and it's, I don't know whether, I've never really th- looked at it so closely as to think maybe I am, that I fear sleep, but I. Because it's death. I certainly avoid it. Like I will stand on the precipice of sleep and just slap my face and throw cold water on myself to avoid tumbling over that edge. But then once I'm there, I do not want to rejoin the world and will do the same thing, kind of claw, like hold on to sleep as I feel wakefulness coming. You know, it, it takes me kicking and screaming.
2: You want to stay, yeah. Um, the reason I brought up um, Buckminster Fuller is because he had this idea that sleep could be even more polyphasic. Mm. He called it dimaxion Go sleep. On. Because do you know this about Bucky Fuller that he invented, like he used the word dimaxion for like any cool thing. Like he sounds insufferable. <laughs> oh, I've just invented the dimaxion closet. The shoes are on the top, you know, or here's my dimaxion house. It's every side is a hexagon.
1: Can we start using dymaxion? I think. What did to, he mean by it?
2: It just means like, I, I think it just means like cool and special to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I think we would have to make up our own word.
1: We could just start using omnibus in that way. Yeah. Oh, this is the omnibus closet. Hornwash. Horn this is, a horn wash. <laughs> And
2: And in his mind, poly, uh, Dymaxion sleep was to sleep two hours total over a 24-hour period in four 30-minute chunks. Now, I've heard of
1: this yes, being I'm, a a thing that people do. It with. had a
2: revival recently. I think a, a woman named Maria Staver called it Uberman sleep, which yeah. really shows who is into this. It's all these, it's the people it's that these are, weirdo Ayn Rand readers who are like, I'm better than the normals. I only need, you know, I'm a can do guy. I'm starting up a company and I only need two hours of
1: sleep. Yeah. They're eating Soylent and sitting and peeing into a milk jug because (laughs) they don't want to stop coding.
2: The idea is you miss out on that dead time and you go straight to REM sleep, which in their mind is good. And I don't know if the sleep research would actually bear out.
1: I think the sleep research says, in fact, no, you cannot do that. You cannot just go straight to REM sleep. It's the other sleep, the deep, the dead sleep is the sleep that is the most important. If your body has to sacrifice one, it will sacrifice REM and get the, uh, the dead sleep first. So if you're saying, if you had to choose between two things, you would
2: choose the dead over REM.
1: Who? i Whoa. If I could choose the entire catalog of the dead or of R.E.M., (laughs) boy, uh, and and I'm not a deadhead, but the, you know, and you and I disagree on this. The second half of the R.E.M. catalog is very problematic for me. I think you go all the way through, don't you? You're all the way to up. I like R.E.M. It's a trio. I like the last record, Collapse Into Now. You just listen to it all, even up there where you can hear we can hear the vocals clear and proud, and they don't make it, and they're, and they're not that great. <laughs> yeah.
2: It turns out you should have been mumbling. Yeah, but I—the dead do not speak to me at all. Mm, they the, the do not speak to me. No.
1: <laughs> they, they come to me they, every night. They keep their secrets, John. <laughs> uh, you, uh, even Terrapin Station—you can't get into. You just don't. You're just shrugging it off like it ain't no thing. Wrong generation, I guess. I guess. So. And I guess it's easy to
2: make fun of hippies. So maybe it's just maybe it's just prejudice.
1: Yeah, well, it's the weird thing where, where the name Grateful Dead suggests that it's going to be kind of metal. And then you listen to it and it's like this meandering folk with like a bass line that never plays the same note twice.
2: Yeah, I mean, jam bands in general, I think are trouble. I kind of want, I'm, I'm like, you know, get to the point. You know, if, if I hear 26 minutes of a podcast and they don't talk about second sleep, I'm like, okay, Jerry, we get it. Nice solo. You know, you mentioned the kind of weird visionary quality of this time of night when everybody's pillows turn into owl alien owls. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, it is a kind of like a half wakefulness. It's a Dorvay, to coin, to a, coin a phrase. It's a Dorvay where, uh, yeah, like lots of things happen in the night that feel supernatural or feel otherworldly.
2: And I was kind of wondering, you know, because this same time period is when we have lots more people just having firsthand visionary experiences saints who see gods and monsters and miracles. They seem more in touch with whatever part of the brain produces that. And I kind of wonder if sleep habit has something to do with it. Like if you and I had an hour in the middle of the night where we were just in an island of wakefulness between sleep and we were kind of alone and thinking about our dreams and in the dark, like, would we have more of these kind of, uh, would we have God, you know, as we understand him, whether Mm -hmm. that's a saintly kind of a miracle or, or, you know, evil snowy owls.
1: I mean, I have sought God all my life uh, and I often feel that modernity intrudes on what would have seemed godly or would sure. have seemed like the.
2: I can ponder the universe, but I've got six more episodes of American Vandal to get through tonight.
1: Yeah. Or I can ponder the universe or ponder the universe, but I also hear like. Did you say fondle the universe? I can <laughs> fondle the universe. I do. I can, I can sit and think that stuff, but then I hear 18 wheelers, like double Jake brakes going off down on the highway. Like.
2: Bah, bah. You almost had it. You're yeah. like, oh, wait, it's all so
1: simple. Ah. And then God evades me <laughs> once again. But it but it would be nice. You know, like the, it's it's akin to our disconnection from the stars, right? Uh, the These medieval times you're talking about, you could step outside into the cold air, completely naked, pinching your nipples, and look up and see the Milky Way. And to walk out in the night now, living in a city as I do, I just see light pollution. Yeah. I just see a a dome of light. You see
2: six stars and like five of them are airplanes.
1: So we're, we're considerably disconnected from our, well, what would have been the the experience of a, a human at any point in our 50,000 year history up until 80 years ago.
2: I guess that's my theory that atheists and skeptics of all kinds just aren't sleeping right.
1: And that concludes second sleep. Entry 1122zc dot Z C zero four zero one, certificate number three eight eight four six, in the omnibus. Futurelings. In the unlikely event that social media still exists in your era. Speaking of things that diminish spirituality of all kinds. And you are up late, late at night and do not have the self-discipline to not be surfing social media. Of the distant past. In between your first and second sleeps. Turn on the Wayback Machine (laughs) and see what
2: was going on on Twitter in the year of our Lord 2018.
1: You can find a handy, handy uh, resource of all of the Omnibus episodes by going to our Twitter and Instagram feeds at Omnibus project. Also our handles were at Ken Jennings where Ken does almost exclusively blue puns and fops. Yeah. Like I do red Fox jokes from his, from his party albums (laughs) on, uh, on Twitter. And I am on Twitter, basically just porting my Instagram over there. But every once in a while, I'll go say something pithy.
2: Pictures of luminous owls. Do you ever feel like you've gotten photographic evidence of any of your visions?
1: Well, a lot of my uh, fans from elsewhere have done fan art. Fans from elsewhere? Are these extra dimensional beings? Fans from elsewhere are are a lot of the time. Are they in this room, John? A lot of the time, they occupy the Venn diagram between your consciousness and mine. (laughs) Uh, But those fans from elsewhere have done fan art of me in a room full of pillows, which have become owls. So I do have some images, a couple of them actually eerily accurate. Are you nude? Are you pinching your nipples Ben Franklin style? I'm not. I am in my bed with my covers on looking, you know, both. I was a little apprehensive in the moment, but also I felt a strange calm.
2: And Uh, is that conveyed in the fan art?
1: Yeah. I felt like the uh, the owls were watching over me as much as they were watching me. That's the Twin Peaks thing. There it is. Have they, do, they come, do they come back? I've never had them come back. I have woken up in the middle of the night and, and searched for them, but it's only been the once. You've searched for them. I mean, when I wake you're, up in the middle of the night, I do look around and go. You don't go through drawers. No, no, no. I okay. mean, they would be, they're right there. The pillows are all around me. Uh, but I, I don't often have those lucid states where you're, Lucidly awake, but also still,
2: like sleep paralysis people sleeping. who who imagine that a a demon is crouched on their
1: chest and they can't move I or whatever. I've never had that, and I do not want it. That is the type of thing I'd be very anxious about because I, I don't well, like I think, claustrophobia. I think, I
2: think anyone would. Yeah, that doesn't
1: sound fun. And I'm sure
2: that's the source of a lot of kind of ideas about possession in different cultures. Yeah, that sounds awful. I people mean, that
1: are just having bad dreams.
2: I'm glad we don't have that.
1: You and I, or or futurelings
2: definitely you and i appear to not have it i i hope people in the future do not have certainly they will have evolved beyond sleep altogether that's my theory i cannot imagine
1: that i because i don't see sleep as an impediment to evolution or i don't i don't see it as a as a deficit I think sleep is a major
2: Look, we we, we are all bonus. conditioned to enjoy these things. Of course, we see them as a bonus because, you know, we have to take pleasure in the things that perpetuate our
1: But you're thinking our, our, that our chromosomes. sleep's just a downer and that— uh, I'm thinking that
2: one, once it's no longer necessary, we will no longer
1: find it pleasurable.
2: Hmm. We're, we're speaking to an audience that does not defecate. You know, I had a friend— they, a, they, All the things we love, they don't do.
1: They don't defecate? They do not. They just exude? They just exude p- particulate it, out it, of their—
2: it's inefficient. They can they, they can fully recycle. Termuses. They can fully recycle all their waste materials.
1: <laughs> oh, I see. Sure, sure. It just it turns into it turns into brown water, then it turns into gray water, then it turns back into water. Yeah, it's, just, it's all inside you. I uh, uh, <laughs> the, right. The uh, the call is coming from within you. <laughs> um, you can also go to my Instagram account, which is wonderful, and I highly suggest you do. I know there are a lot more listeners to this program than are currently on my Instagram account. I was, about following all, my Instagram. I was thinking about all the people listening to this who have not bought my book, right? All the people that are listening to this, that don't follow you on Twitter and they're missing out. They should certainly buy the book. I don't get, I don't get any money if they follow me on Twitter. Uh, I mean, they should download the long winters entire, uh, corpus. I, agree, I agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah. So what you should do right now, put down your listening device, go find the long winters, all of our albums and Ken's books and buy them all now.
2: I think it's okay to start with one book on one record
1: download all my records and one of Ken's books the funny. the most recent of Ken's books planet funny read all my
2: books and tell John you enjoy his music that's what i've been doing no, no, for no, years. you're, you're
1: going to be you're going to be quizzed on if you're like <laughs> oh i love your band oh yeah like, which song oh really
2: <laughs> tell me which
1: records you liked more than the other yeah what's the uh, what's the what's the song that speaks to you
2: most and here's the thing here's the thing you say then you're like oh, i like the second record
1: do not say you like the second record. Everybody says they like the second record.
2: I'm just saying, pick a number. I'm just saying, oh, oh, I love, I, I love the fir- I love the
1: lead track on the third record. Yeah, nobody thinks that. <laughs> um, the third, the third track on the on the first record is not the song that people keep coming back.
2: To. If somebody tried that, would you be like, oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, what's the name of that song? Would you would you try to catch them? No, because I don't remember the names of songs either, Wait, including my own. Songs. You don't remember the names of your songs? No, not really. I f- I forget them more often. than There should than be a
2: not. name that tune style show where they ask you to name.
1: They ask songwriters to name the titles of their own songs. That's right. Oh, it's the one about the truck. I mean, we just, on the set list, we just say truck song. Uh, Anyway, you can also email us, and please do, at omnibusproject at howstuffworks.com. I don't mean email us just to pass the time, uh, but email us with with comments, things to say, nice uh, thoughts, topics maybe. Uh, We get a lot of those. That's not necessary. You don't need a, don't need a clever idea.
2: And we don't need more, certainly.
1: Uh, and also, if you do go on Facebook, I pity you, but the one good place on Facebook, in my estimation, a sanctuary, is the Omnibus Futurelings Facebook page, uh, where you find like-minded people who are having lots of yucks, and lols. Good, clean, vigorous fun. That's right. In, the,
2: in the outdoors.
1: Generally, an anti swears policy over there. It's, pretty, it's a pretty virtuous and yet still subversive group. And you can send us real mail, which I support you doing, at P.O. Box 55744, Shoreline, Washington, 98155. Did you do the email address? I can't remember. I did. Omnibus project at howstuffworks.com. I've done it twice. Everything's thrown off. Omnibus, I'm project, so sorry. At uh, Omnibus project at howstuffworks.com. Omnibus project at howstuffworks. The owls are not what they seem.
2: Listeners, from our vantage point in your distant past, we don't know how long our civilization is going to survive. We hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come, but the long sleep that comes for us all will hold off for another day but if the worst comes soon this recording like all our recordings maybe our final word to you but if the owls allow we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus